By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, Papercut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Gocher. I'm Olivia Michaelcheck. We're here with Heather Thomas. Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Hi, I'm Heather Thomas, and I play in a band called Atlas, and that's a little bit about myself, I guess. Do you want to tell us a lot? Yeah, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's film. not the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, what do you want to know? How did you get started with Atlas? Okay, well, uh, I had been playing music in my bedroom kind of situation for years and years and never really played outside in the world uh, <laughs> for a long time. And I just kind of one day I was like, I'm going to make this legitimate. I have to have a name. So as soon as I name my project, it's legitimate. That was my thought process. Um, so I kind of, I used to read comic books my mom's old like spider-man and like mystery comic books and in the back there was all these ads um for different things like x-ray glasses and vitamins that'll make you strong and there was one i think it was vitamins uh and it was an ad with like charles atlas holding up the world and he was like you want to be strong like this and that uh, i don't know why that image struck me but it always kind of stuck with me and then always had like a fascination with space and um, exploration and like the unknown so that kind of when the word popped into my head it was kind of um, encompassed a lot of things that I felt connected to Uh, and it's also was gender neutral which I cared about it and wanted to wanted to avoid like being myself I guess (laughs) Uh, Heather Thomas is a it's like a model from the 70s or the 80s. So anytime I would Google my name, I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> and like old men would come up to me in the street and be like, Heather Thomas, eh? Oh. Or not in the street. I guess they wouldn't know my name in the street. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That'd be so cool. like <laughs> Heather Thomas. <laughs> they just know. <laughs> no, but it, sometimes it would happen that people would make weird comments about me having the same name as some like sexy supermodel. So... I was like, I want to distance myself from this, and thus the name was born, and it was many years before I actually played a live show. Um, I I was doing music for theater, because I went to theater school, and I was writing songs for, to play, songs for my theater shows that I was putting on in theater school, so they would be playing in, like, the background or during intermission, and... And I started writing music for my friends who were in theater productions, and I wrote a theme song for a podcast. And not ours. No, a different hey, one. if you want, <laughs> we'll talk. We, yeah. we have a guy. We'll do anything. I mean, we, don't, uh, we don't have to have a guy. We can have you. Yeah, get rid of your guy. I'm sure he's great. No, I'm sure he's wonderful. Uh, but I, a friend asked me to sing um, uh, a duet for one of her short films that she was making so ended up hooking up with this producer whose vibe I got I really dug and um I asked him to to record my EP I thought it was like a great opportunity to kind of get myself out there a little bit I think I was at that time when I 
wanted to expand and show people what I was doing in my bedroom. And um, that worked out really great for a while. We went on tour together with his band, and then on tour we decided to play as Atlas together, and we did that for a couple years. So Atlas has changed, the lineup has changed since it began. Yeah, I, I guess I started playing solo for a little while, just doing little coffee house gigs and playing on my piano and singing my little my little songs, and uh, then, yeah, it changed quite a bit when I started working with a partner, um, and then that kind of dissolved, and I, I felt like this this need to kind of figure out what I really wanted and work with people that fed me creatively and emotionally and uh, and that I really cared about and liked. So I kind of sat just with my own self for a little while, played some songs with, played some shows with Luke Pedals, and uh, that's what brought me to Luke, who plays the drums in my band. He, uh, he had been... He had been someone who said, you need a drummer, when I was playing with uh, with uh, my, my partner before. And we were That's kind funny. Of like, He's oh, a drummer. Sure. So. I know. I was like, are you suggesting yourself? Like, and he was like, oh, no, I just I can hear so many possibilities. So, uh, yeah, I just asked him if he wanted to play with me, and he said yes. And that kind of went from there uh, in the current, to kind of create the current uh, permutation of Atlas, I guess. And then when did Charlotte join? Charlotte joined about, I want to say, not very long into the process of playing with Luke. It was all kind of a whirlwind. I played with Luke for, I guess, maybe our first show was in February or March. Um, And then I played a show with Paisley. We played a show with Paisley. uh, And I saw Charlotte playing the guitar and I was like, oh my god. I need her <laughs> in my band. I need her in my life. She's amazing. Uh, so I just went up and asked her if she wanted to play in my band. And luckily for me, at she the said show? yes. Yeah, at, at the, the show. show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just was like, I need you to play in my band. And she said, uh, okay. <laughs> she was excited. So I was excited. And then like two months later, or not even, we recorded our EP. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really fast. How quickly did the EP come together? It came together in like three days. <clears throat> what? Yeah, we did. The songs were written, and Luke and I had played them quite a bit. And then we had a few sessions where um, I invited a couple people to come and listen to our songs and give us some notes, give us some guidance before we got into the studio so that we'd be Okay, so that's prepared. not part of the three days. Right. I guess we were in the studio for three days. A lot okay. of what we played in the studio was written in the studio, but some of it was definitely happened before. So I would say, I guess, from the time that Charlotte joined, it was a month and a half before we were in the studio. Wow. That's unreal. It was very fast. <laughs> so when you bring somebody else into your project, is there a bit of a learning curve trying to figure out everyone's groove and everyone trying to get together on the same vibe? Um, I would say I'm like a natural peacemaker. So I, I would, uh, I would say I don't have a hard time relating to people. Um, but it is easier when it's people that 
you already just feel a vibe with. Like I've played with people who where it's been awkward and you really have to work to make something happen, but with with Luke and Charlotte it it really came naturally and it felt it felt natural. It didn't feel forced at any time. It was like sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it was a struggle, you know, you're working through things and you feel like um uncertain or or self-conscious, but uh, I think all of us have been able to kind of work past that together and it's never been, there's never been any conflict. There's never been anything like that, uh, that was really hard to deal with on an interpersonal level and on a musical level. I just love what both of them do and I want them to do things that fulfill them in my projects. So, and I really welcome creative input from other people. I want to hear other people's voices in my music and that's really important I think it feeds the music a lot so yeah there was never any any struggle in that way nice so are you Atlas or is the band Atlas um and how do you separate or make those work or I guess that's I would say at the three of us are Atlas now mm -hmm. I would say that yeah I think I was pretty protective of of this situation, I guess the the ownership of the band and like I would say I'm um, yeah I really care about what happens to it, but I've come to the realization that I can't achieve anything alone, right? I can't be an island. I can't. I have to rely on people to help me and rely on people to be there with me. And it's really not that fun when you're by yourself. So I love, I love those two people. And I, I think that uh, they're like, they're definitely part of this project now because I know how much they care about it. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it easy for me to say, yeah, all three of us are this, are this one thing. So when, when was the moment like that you felt that like, okay, this is, this is us now. Like, was there a, do you have those like moments on stage or those moments in practice or those conversations? Um, I think really early on, I, I felt like these were two people that I wanted to have in my life and in my music for a really long time. And I felt like a really, a really like deep connection to them musically and we all just kind of are on the same level with our sense of humor and, you know, the way that we, that we like to, to be. Someone said something recently that was really nice, which was, they said, you know when to have fun and you know when to be serious. And we're always, pretty much always on the same page with that together. And that makes it really easy to kind of, um, to kind of just be, be together, I guess. Um, I don't think there was one moment, I guess, when they started, I think they came to me and were like, we want to help more. And that kind of made me realize like, oh, I can lean on these people and I don't have to do everything myself. And that was really like a meaningful moment, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is the aesthetic of Atlas? I know that looking at some of your previous press photos, that's like very bright and very like meaningful it seems is that a reflective of your personality or is atlas a different side of you i think it is reflective of my personality i think i always describe myself as a sensitive party girl so 
Uh, I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not afraid to be emotional, but I also am not super serious all the time. I really, I like to have fun. I love to dance. I love, I love pop music. I love all of that stuff. And I also really want to connect with people with my, with my lyrics. So, um, that's, that's where I see Atlas as like this. It's a part of me for sure. Like, I wouldn't say it's all like the whole entire part. Like it's not all of me, but a lot of what uh, I try to present is just like a real version of myself that that feels genuine and I really love art and I love uh, making people feel things. So that's kind of what I want to get across, I guess. <laughs> uh, so after you recorded the EP, did you guys take the show on the road? Did you guys get to go bring Atlas to different cities? We haven't really gone on tour. Um, really? <clears throat> we went to, we went to Sled Island in Calgary right after we finished the EP. Uh, and we've played a few one-off shows here and there, festivals in the summer. Um, yeah, we're actually planning our first tour for this spring, which is really exciting. Uh, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't, uh, what I've really wanted to do, because it has been such a short time frame that we've been doing this, I really felt like it it was important to establish ourselves here in the city and like find, I feel like at home is the easiest place to find your people and find who really relates to you and connects to you. And, and I don't think that Atlas fits in that box of like cool indie band necessarily. I think we have something maybe a little bit broader that people outside of the music scene relate to more so. So I think that was kind of what I wanted to explore here. And I've been really excited. Like, it's been really exciting. We've had tons of uh, awesome support in this town. And I feel like now is the time when I'm comfortable with leaving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leaving the nest, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, there's like a fear factor, too, with with going on tour and not making money or not selling out shows or not having anyone at your shows. So just getting past that has been like a thing that I had to do for myself. Mm-hmm. So are you guys booking it yourselves? We are booking it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how does that process go? Are you cold calling clubs, bars, venues, or is what's the process? It's such a weird thing. I've, I've, uh, I've talked to a couple people about, about this who have experience with this because I don't want to, don't want to make too many mistakes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what's worked for us has been talking to bands first in cities that you really like, bands that excite you and just find out, you know, what's what are the cool places and and if they want to play a show with us and if they don't, maybe they can get they can give us a couple recommendations of other bands that might fit with our style or our vibe. So that's kind of how the process has gone so far. Yeah. So are you worried about taking your best friends on the road with you? It's kind of like seems, even if you're like in a relationship and going on a trip, people are like, oh, like this is going <laughs> to, this is going to be a, a new experience. Is that something that you've even considered or? Well, I'm not really worried. We've done, because we've done some traveling together. It hasn't been really long term and I don't think it will be really long. I think we're looking at like one or like a week and a half or two weeks 
Um, but I feel like we're all really respectful of each other to in a, in a way that if someone needs space, they're okay being like, I need to go. No one feels like tied to each other in mm-hmm. a way. I feel like sometimes when you're with a group of people, you're like, we're a unit and we're going to be stuck together at all times. But uh, that's, I don't think that's really healthy if you're working together and you're, and you're uh, traveling nonstop together. So I, I think none of us feel afraid of taking a step back and, and taking time for ourselves. So I think that, I think, I hope it'll work really well. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's never heard Atlas play, how would you describe like your sound or your vibe? Mm. What can they expect at a show? Well, I think you can expect a lot of grooves, a lot of vibes, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> A lot of uh, vocals. <laughs> um, yeah, there's like a really cool... It's We're an R&B band, I guess. That's what you would say or people have said. Uh, I never know how to categorize us because I feel like I pull from so many different places. But, right, yeah. But overall, I guess we're like a pop R&B band. So that's kind of like the basis of what we do. And then on top of that... Charlotte's guitar tone is amazing, and Luke has is just so precise. He's really great at holding the line down, and and what I really love doing is expressing vocally and trying to get my point across with as many notes as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but really, just like to really connect with people and um, try and get like that diva vibe in everyone's hearts. Is that what you strive for? Like being a a diva? Well, I I don't, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if diva is the right word because um, I want everyone to feel like they're a little bit of a diva. Mm -hmm. Like I want everyone to feel empowered. I want everyone to feel like at my shows, I want everyone to feel like no matter what you look like or, or who you are, what you do, like you deserve to have a good time tonight and you deserve to feel good about yourself and um and you deserve to be confident in yourself and I think that's what I try and be and what I try and get across so who are your diva inspirations who do you look for or look to for top three oh yeah yes. yeah you only have to pick three huh? that's fine that's good oh my god <laughs> um uh, or people who make you feel that way. Has there been to shows that, like, you felt that and you knew that that was what you wanted to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would Inspiration s- is the word I just <laughs> defined it. We work together. <laughs> it's a good pair. <laughs> um, I think someone I look to when I think of connecting with people is I really love Jessie Ware. Um, and I haven't seen her live, but I've watched so many, so many YouTube videos. Uh, and she's just really amazing. Her voice is just out of control. Uh, and she has like a, like a very like warm and welcoming presence. And I love that. On the other end of the spectrum, I look to someone like Beyonce, who just has like physical mastery and like vocal mastery. And she's just like this queen who who can do anything and her voice can go anywhere. And that's so cool and exciting because you hear her being rough 
with her voice and then having these soaring amazing notes and then like breathy and she just she just touches every color that she owns and that's super inspiring and the more colors you have in your little paint box the more the more you're going to be able to connect with people uh, and get across your story so that's super inspiring to me and then i guess i guess emmy lou harris would be someone who musically was really inspiring to me when i was young um and she just has this i just i think all of these people have this specific energy that's only theirs that that they're just being really true to themselves while also putting on an amazing show mm-hmm. and that's what really excites me about music and performing is is finding the genuine in something that may feel unnatural like dancing around or like repeating a word three times you know like when you're singing there's nothing you're you're not speaking you're not saying a natural sentence so finding the genuine moment in 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 like the bigger performance is what excites me about those people mm-hmm. so have you ever struggled with say elements of performance from your idols and trying to make them yours or unique or trying to balance you with who you aspire to be for sure uh can we talk about it a bit? yeah <laughs> absolutely um I still am on a journey, so I don't think I've reached where I want to be yet. And that means that every performance, there's always going to be something that I wasn't happy with or that I felt like I could improve or that I wasn't sure what I did wrong there or that I wanted to connect more. You know, like there's always, I'm really trying to grow quickly, so I'm trying to analyze you know, what I do and, and what snaps me out of the moment and what brings me into the moment and then how that translates to the audience. Cause that's a whole other thing. Like how I feel isn't always how the audience feels. So that's kind of a thing that there's like a disconnect sometimes where you might be having the best time and then the audience is medium. They're all like, mm, could take it or leave it. And then there might be nights when you feel like you didn't give your best or you your voice broke or cracked or somewhere and you, you tripped on stage or something and after the show like 20 people come up to you and are like well you're amazing that was amazing and you just don't feel you didn't get that from yourself so finding ways of of having satisfaction in a performance and not equating that to approval is, mm-hmm. is something that I think about quite a bit. And then also finding ways of translating to the audience what I'm feeling in more clear ways so that it's not just me with my eyes closed on stage, like feeling everything while the audience is like, wow, this person's just doing, has a great voice, but is doing nothing. You know, that's what, that's where I'm trying to like, I'm kind of like exploring that space of showing more and also being content with, you know, uh, not needing a, not needing approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about how you want to convey your emotions to an audience, how do you do that on days when you're like not feeling it, or maybe like 
so emotional that those songs are something that bothers you or adversely that you've sang the song so many times that those emotions aren't really like you're not feeling them in the same way as when you wrote the song yeah that's um I bring that up because you mentioned conveying your feelings to the audience yeah, like quite a bit absolutely yeah because I did I did come out of a theater background so there is that kind of conversation in that kind of world where where it doesn't matter what you're feeling, if the audience isn't there with you, then it's kind of meaningless in a way. Uh, because the performance isn't about you, right? Like the music, making the music is about you. You're making something that satisfies your soul, hopefully, and that says something about you or says something about something you care about. But when you get on stage, to me, at least, my from my perspective, it's it's about the relationship between the two of you, the stage and the audience. And when you, you can, I can get so inside my own head thinking about what the audience, how the audience reaction is that it interferes with that connection. So if I'm not feeling it, I have certain techniques that bring me back into the moment Maybe I'll, if I'm really feeling awkward, sometimes it happens that I just feel super uncomfortable on stage and I, and I, and I feel disconnected from myself and the music and the audience. And I just, you know, there's things that I do like before the performance that help to prevent that. And then also during the performance that can help me like get back into the moment. And so like a, a really good warm up is really important for me if I don't stretch my body out. If I don't feel like comfortable and loose, like I could do anything with my body, then that creates this tension that translates from physical to emotional tension. So that helps me when I stretch out, when I warm up, it helps me to connect with my inner self and and my emotions and like not worry so much about the ego. And then when I'm on stage, sometimes all it takes is just closing my eyes and focusing on what I'm singing, the words, what they mean to me right now. And that usually helps. Sometimes all it takes is just trying to dance and like pushing my way through it and, and moving my body until I get into it. And that helps as well. It just depends on, you know, where I'm at. <laughs> mm-hmm. Will you tailor your set to, you know, if you're not feeling in the mood for certain songs, you'll, you'll change up the set or, you know, work with how you're feeling, songs with how you're feeling? Yeah, I would say um, a lot of the time the, the set list is is talked through with Luke and Charlotte. So we, you know, if one of us isn't feeling like playing a song, we'll just pull it out of the set list. Uh, if, if one of us isn't, is like, oh, I wish we were doing that one, then maybe we'll just slip it in there, you know? Um, so it's kind of, I think each individual song isn't, unless it's a new song, then we're like, oh yeah, let's get it in there. This is super exciting. But because we've been playing these songs for a couple of years now, they're all kind of, they they can all affect you in different ways at different times, right? So it really just depends on on everyone's mood about it. And we usually are really respectful about that. And we're just like, cool, we won't do that one today. And, but I think that all we all understand, like the set that we're playing is more, it's more important to play a set for an audience than it is to play a set for ourselves. So we're not trying to connect internally, like on stage, we're not trying to be creatively, oh, how do I say this? 
it's more important for us to to send that that message out and if we can we will mm-hmm. than it is for us to satisfy our own like whims if that makes sense yeah, yeah definitely totally. uh, so you're mentioning uh, you have a warm up and you stretch out before a show is there anything else that you do like do you need to have like a nap before a show I know certain people have certain traditions oh, do you have yeah. any traditions um I don't have a nap I probably go <laughs> pee like 15 times uh, I usually have a shot with my band Right before we go on stage. Of? Whiskey. Mm-hmm. Usually Jameson. It's good to know. If there's any <laughs> fan, Atlas fans yeah. listening, <laughs> Heather would love a shot before the show. Not, maybe, yeah, just one. Yeah, just yeah. one. And then one, maybe one after. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I'd say no. <laughs> um, in terms of traditions, though, I think... Yeah, the most important thing for me is to kind of get myself centered and let go of all of the the things that are in my day that maybe are a distraction and focus in on this one thing and what that what that is is stretching for me. Yeah, just getting a really good getting a really get my hips open. You no, know? <laughs> stretching out the hammies. Yeah, stretch out the hammies. Yeah, yeah you got to. Yeah. I wear heels too much, so my hammies are always so tight. <laughs> So you do some other work. You've worked with, I know for sure, Begonia. Are there any other um, bands that you've worked with? Uh, I've I've done a few things in the past. I was doing backup for French Press for a little while. Um, I have... That's a throwback. Is French Press still making music? Um, Wow. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Last I heard, I think she is, but she's living in Toronto now. Oh, okay. That's why then. Yeah. Um... And then I probably have done things that I just can't remember. <laughs> I played with a '90s R&B ukulele band called Bunny. What? A '90s R? <laughs> Sorry, I missed a step. An all-female, arguably Winnipeg's best all-female '90s R&B comedy ukulele band. Whoa! Whoa! Arguably, that's our pitch. I don't think there's any other one, yeah. so there's no one to argue with. Right, that's where the comedy only. comes in. Right. Oh, but else? Where's Lou? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we aren't really playing too much right now, just because there's a lot going on in both of our lives. So we play here and there, but we're not pushing that anymore so much. Um, but yeah, that was that's a really fun. We have a bunch of videos on YouTube if you want to watch some hilarious things about Instagram or dating. We have some fun commentary. What's the channel? like? What... Bunny Ukulele. Bunny Ukulele. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you also do like um, some cover. You did the Spice Girls. Oh, too, yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Tell yes. us about it. How did that come together? That is a... Badass group of women. Holy smokes. You know, and I took Sheena Retai's spot because she couldn't make it for that. I was like, oh, thank you, Whoa. Sheena. Um, no, because I went I went and saw... They've done this a few times. I went and saw... It was, it was my birthday. Uh, and they were playing at the park. So I went and saw... There was the Spice Girls and the NSYNC. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this. This looks like so much fun. I'm a huge Spice Girls fan. So I think after this set ended, I probably drunkenly went over and was like, if you ever need a sixth member. <laughs> or That's the Jameson talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you got Charlotte. So I mean, so, might as well give it a shot. Just putting it out there. Yeah. 
uh, if you never, if you ever need anyone, please call me. <laughs> so I forced myself into the band basically, and uh, basically Sheena couldn't make it, and they were like, "Heather, we need you." So we had one rehearsal, and the the show was unbelievably fun. It's just so fun to to play because sometimes you get so caught up in like how serious you are with your own project and like how much it means to you to do well and like how important it is and it's really nice to do something that's just like fun for having just for fun yeah you're just having fun and you can be free and you can play a different character which is awesome uh yeah that was a really good time I think I've never realized how like not good I'm at I am at singing until I heard the like amazing singers doing Spice Girls because like when I'm singing along I think I'm good and then when I like heard like oh wait I'm actually terrible like singing along to the Spice Girls is way harder than I'd imagine but everybody on that stage was unreal honestly the Spice Girls aren't very good singers <laughs> like no shade <laughs> okay well now you make me feel like crap but like you can do it that's what I I'm can, saying I like, can't you could... <laughs> comparatively you guys sound amazing to well, like me and my friends at karaoke obviously <laughs> honestly listening to the recordings I was listening really carefully and I was like wow they it's so interesting how music production has changed because there are notes that are out in some of those recordings with where their singers not not everyone's on the same pitch exactly and nowadays you'd have it would be all smoothed out there'd be auto-tune everywhere but with the Spice Girls it was like like a moment in time where everything was free and everything was kind of off the cuff and it was about being like loose and being just a bunch of girlfriends Mm -hmm. and that was really that was really funny to, to see because I in my mind I was like wow they're all so tight and amazing and it was really more about the energy that they brought mm-hmm. rather than their voices like their voices were fine but it was their songs and it was about their their personalities and the what they the message they had which was girl power i've never been uh what character do you play i was baby 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 spice and you said you Duh. could switch up here and there does anyone ever switch up or are you just always baby well, I've only done this it once. This was her first time. Oh, yeah, it was her first time. She didn't spot. Uh, yeah. She didn't make it. I didn't know if there was another, no, another no. one. No, no. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if this, like, opened the door. <laughs> they haven't asked me back yet. <laughs> you just, it just happened, like, a week yeah, ago. Really oh, happened. a week ago. This was a week ago. Okay, this was a week ago. Okay. It makes wow. sense. Wow. My bad. My bad. Oh, my God. Cool. I, I apologize. I should have wrote you a cheat sheet I need cheat sheets, yeah. Yeah. Usually when we do interviews, either one or the other or neither of us know the person. Usually not both. So, like, usually you can tell who knows who by who's leading the interview generally. Yeah. So. You're leading. Yeah, yeah. I took this one. Yeah. Give give Heather a shot, like, a weird question. Yeah, shoot me. Hit me with something. (laughs) Um, okay, so you you mentioned (laughs) when Atlas first started, you were playing uh, solo shows. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your very first gig. Solo. And where was it? Oh my gosh. This is Honestly, a cute one. It Good was question, Jared. Very, yeah, that is a cute one. He did a redemption. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my first solo show ever was at Sam's Place on Henderson, I believe. Yeah, It's like a little coffee shop. Mm-hmm. They have a giant Komodo dragon statue on the stage in front of you. Whoa. Uh, I rented a piano or a keyboard. 
and all my friends and family came. <laughs> it was really nice. Mm-hmm. They all paid $5 cover, so I probably made like 30 to $40, which was great. It was fun. It was terrifying. I'm, I'm, I, I would say maybe more so back then, but I was pretty precious about sharing what I worked on because it was so personal and so emotional to me that it was terrifying. It was just scary to put that out there in the world and have other people hear it. Yeah. Especially like parents. Was that like, yeah, um, like hard to do? Well, my dad is who, the person who got me into music when I was really young. He was a musician. He, he was always, when I was really young, he was always having jams and band practices in the basement. And I would go like at six, I'd be going down and being like, be quiet. I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And, but, and then I would start, and then I started singing with him and he had like a little recording studio in his basement that he would work on his own stuff. And then he'd be like, Hey, do you want to sing harmonies on this song? And we made a Christmas album for our family. (laughs) It was really cute. The whole family got in on it. Uh, and then I wrote my first song when I was 12 and recorded it in his studio. Wow. Do you remember what it was called? Yeah, it was called Ice Cream. <laughs> and it was about adoption. What? Whoa. I know. Of a human? Yes. Of, of the ice cream <laughs> well, No, no, no. I don't know. Like, maybe adopting a dog or something. No, like, I don't adoption know. of a human is a pretty, like... That's, that's deep. Deep yeah. thing for yeah. a 12-year-old. So, excuse my question. No, no. <laughs> it makes sense. You know? <laughs> say it. Yes. Uh, it was about... Uh, it was from the perspective of someone watching over a child who was adopted and the child struggling with, like, why they were abandoned. Whoa. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah. But that's, like, a lot of themes of Disney movies. Like, no, for they're sure. so... They're, it's not like... There's a lot of angst at the age of 12, I think. Also, Just for yeah, everyone. Yeah. 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 So you were talking about your... Okay. I want to do two things. One is the second show. Because your first show, friends and family all show up and everything, but, like, when did your friends and family, maybe they haven't, but, like, stop coming, and then your shows were just, like... I don't... Well... I I think it's only recently that I don't always see friends in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I had... Like, my first show that I played publicly as a band was probably the first show where I was like, I don't know anyone here and this is terrifying. It was big fun at the Manitoba Music Showcase. We were playing, we were the band playing after the showcase. So we basically were playing at 10 p.m. on like a Friday or Saturday night at Big Fun for our first show, at which point the bar had... huge. I know, we were like the headliners basically. And I was like, this is the most horrifying... This is awesome. Very excited, but, like, there are a bunch of... I remember, because I... This is really funny. I tried out for Canadian Idol back in 2005. Really? Okay, so why don't we start with this? (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, the year is 2005. (laughs) But one of the judges from my season was at that show as, like, a delegate for Manitoba Music. And I was like... I didn't know until after I played, and he came by, and he was like, that was a great show, and I was like... Oh, okay. There's important people here. I don't know what to do. So that that was like how the first did your moment. audition go? Yeah. Can we talk about that? Oh my god! What song? Okay. Oh yeah, oh, tell us everything. Gosh. Oh my god! How old are you at this point? Uh, 2005. I guess 
I was young. I'm going to say late teens, early. Yeah, late teens. Um, Terrifying. Yeah. I was super insecure young woman. I was definitely like not confident in myself. And I was very, yeah, I was very nervous. So the minute I got in there, I think they sensed my energy and they were like, why do you have sunglasses on your head? And I was like, I don't know. It's just my look. <laughs> and they were like, take them off. And I, I did. And, I, and they were like, oh my gosh, much who said better. this? The I don't judges? Remember. Yeah, the judges. Oh. <laughs> they were kind of like mean, mean in like a, a I guess shaping, a TV yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my first song was, I think I sang, I think they saw the couple songs on my list and they were like, oh, I want to see. Highway to Hell. So I did Highway to Hell in like a bluesy. <laughs> I did like a bluesy version of Highway to Hell. Yeah. So uh, what do you mean a list? You give them a list of songs. Yeah. You technically they give they give you a list of songs when you get to the TV rounds because they have songs that they've already cleared to be on TV. Oh. So if you don't choose a song that's on the, you can choose a song that's not on the list, but then you're not going to be on TV. Oh, and you oh, wanted to be on yeah. TV. Well, that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got Highway to Hell. So I did Highway to Hell, <laughs> and I also had chosen uh, Get This Party Started by Pink. So Classic. two, like, very similar, and I was doing them both in, like, a slow, bluesy version. Mm-hmm. Not very exciting, but it was and fun. Uh, they any? were like, that's what we want to hear, something different. And I got to the next round. I went to Toronto, and... Whoa! That's, that was that's the next round after that you see the judges. That's so, so cool. So you did the highway to highway to hell was in Winni- uh, Winnipeg. Yes. And then do they fly you out? Like yeah, you they to... fly you out to Toronto and they put you in a hotel room with like at least one other contestant. And it's very weird experience. <laughs> as soon as you get there, like all the volunteers know your name, like they've studied your photo. They're like, oh, you cut your hair. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) How do you know that? Uh, And I think when I got on the plane, someone sat down next to me and was like, you look like you're a good, you're going to Canadian Idol, right? You look like a good singer. We should be duet partners. Like immediately someone just came up to me and like snatched me up and I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. Great. You sound like you know what you're doing because I guess this guy had been there for like one at least one time before Mm -hmm. they kind of just herd you around in groups and take you to different rooms in this big theater and you wait a long time for stuff and then you suddenly you're on stage and you're singing and it's it's so weird it's such a weird experience strange yeah so you got to that toronto round and then and then i passed the first solo round but I sang a song that wasn't on the list. So they were like, you can think of one song on the list. <laughs> that would a long, work. A long list? Or? It was a pretty long list. But I was like in a phase of my life where I was like, I'm not mainstream. <laughs> I'm indie and weird and I don't want to conform. So uh, I was like, I'm going to choose something that's really meaningful to me. So I did that. And they were like, why did you pick this one? Uh, and then I... Just, like, hassling a 19-year-old. Like, go away. (laughs) Like, I'm scared. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, I got to the group round, and I got cut during the group round. Mm. Yeah. Well, those people that snatch you up tried to steal your talent. 
It's all good. Trash. You know. Well, I'm a Canadian <laughs> Idol now, so I mean. Yeah, name one Canadian Idol, yeah. honestly. So you, you're doing great. What about Carly Rae Jepsen? Oh, she, she didn't was, win, though. She no, was but on she it, was though. on it. Yeah, she was like number seven or something, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so she it's not. Just, yeah. It's not like I didn't watch a lot. It's because <laughs> this came up recently where, um, where I was talking about Canadian Idol, and then I literally did Google, like, all the winners. I, I only knew Ryan Malcolm. That was the first one. Oh, yeah. The very first? I met guy? him, and I was like, this is very cool. Oh, I was wow. like 12. Yeah. And I thought it was very, very cool. But he obviously didn't care. because I'm sure he cared. No, he didn't. He, he doesn't care. remember. He has I remember. He doesn't remember. <laughs> sure. I'm sure if you run into him. He might remember you. <laughs> well, here's helping. Okay, so we're going back to your show. <laughs> so we're going back to your the shows where you met uh, your big fun show. Oh, yeah, that was just, like, the first, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Jake Gold. It was Jake Gold. Oh. He was just, like, there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if that, I think that was, like, the moment where I was, like, oh, wow, this is, like, could be something that I could actually do, because that was the first time I'd ever played for anyone that wasn't my close friends and family, basically. Uh, And that kind of lit the fire that was, like, oh, I... People like this. Weird. I didn't expect that or something. Um, but I've had... I, my my family doesn't live in Winnipeg, so I don't really see them uh, at shows too often. But I have a really loyal group of friends that come, used to come to every show. And then I guess in the last year or two, that's sort of like slowed down. People can't really make it out to every show anymore, which uh, is completely understandable. I'm not going to their work and like cheering them on. So, <laughs> so but, what... Projects did your dad do? Or, or, I guess you're not from here, so... No, my parents moved oh, okay. away. I grew up here, yeah. He was just in indie bands in the city. He was he was uh, just playing music. I don't think he... He was kind of doing what I'm doing now. Cool. Yeah. So, like, does, did he have, like, a, a band, though? Like, a band? Yeah, I think it? he had a band called Trading Janes. Oh, uh, I can't remember any of his other band names. <laughs> he used to do like, yeah, he he really likes uh, folk music, um, Bruce Coburn and etc. Mm-hmm. So did he teach you how to play piano or did you take piano lessons? No, I took piano lessons when I was really young, when I was like four for a couple of years. And then I really didn't start playing the piano again until I started wanting to write my own songs. And then we had, like, an antique piano that my grandparents had left in the house. And uh, I just sat down and started playing it and figuring out the notes that I wanted to hear with the songs I was writing and kind of went from there with the piano. Mostly, I would say I knew a little bit from when I was young. When I was young, I had, like, I could do a scale. I knew a bit of music theory, but... And also, I took singing lessons for a long time, so I was, like, I'd done... um, exams for that and so I had that like theory knowledge and harmonic like knowledge I just didn't know how my fingers worked with the piano keys so this is just kind of figuring that out what's a what's a vocal exam like well I took classical singing lessons for a long time I guess when I was 11 I started and basically it's like you're starting it's it's the it's the path to opera Oh. So you start doing folk songs, you start learning technique, you start learning vowel sounds, like really making pure vowels and using your breath. And so a lot of 
when you're doing a singing exam, it, it's like how pure are your vowels? How, how are you projecting your voice? How much uh, are you are you presenting the song with like a storytelling mind or are you just like saying the words? So it's kind of artistic and technical. Mm-hmm. That's what you kind of, yeah. And did you ever go down that teaching path? Yeah, I taught for like nine or ten years. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nine years maybe? Nine years. So when someone comes in for a singing lesson, how does that... They they already want to do it, I guess. So like, is it is there like a... A moment of, like, being nervous or something when someone first comes to... Like, for me? Well, for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's nervous. Mm-hmm. I've never had a singing lesson where the person didn't start out really nervous. And it's a terrifying thing because your voice is, like, this really personal thing. And singing is this really personal thing to a lot of people. And it's really... What I really liked about it was getting people out of their shell, getting people feeling more comfortable with expression and feeling more comfortable performing and, 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 uh, and singing in public. Like that's what I really love when someone, uh, someone that I teach feels like they're going to go perform and they feel like they have the confidence to do that. That's exciting for me. What's the, I guess the most common tip Wow, when teaching that you would give to people or maybe the most common mistake well the first thing that almost everyone does wrong is is breathing <laughs> uh, a lot of times yeah that's the first thing I'll always look at is like let's look at how you're breathing and, and what your body's doing like it's a lot of it's really physical it's like very much you have to kind of be because it's all your it's it's not a real it's not like a physical instrument where you're holding it in your hand and you can look down at the notes or the keys and you can say, put your right, f- your finger on the A key or whatever, play this chord. It's like you have to feel it in your body and that's a really different thing. So if you can't breathe, you're not going to be able to do anything else. And breathing, breathing deeply, breathing means like filling up your entire torso relaxing your shoulders, making sure that you're, you have good posture so that you're not tightening up and only breathing in the top half of your lungs. And there's all, all sorts of things, but that's like usually where I start. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I had no idea. Oh, it's so, it's so there's so and people come in all the time or they used to come in all the time and they were like, Oh, I'll be a good singer in two lessons. And I'm like, no, oh. <laughs> I mean, you're fine now. Like you're you're a good singer now, but if you want to learn technique, that's a thing that takes months and years to learn. Hmm. Wow. I had no idea. Some no. people come to it really naturally, but yeah. then a lot of times it's not as natural. So would you say that your your skill, I don't mean this shady in any way. Your skill is acquired or natural? Um, I think it's both. It's a mix of both. I wouldn't have gone into singing lessons unless someone, unless a lot of people had been like, you have a good voice. That was kind of all I thought I was really good at when I was young. I was like, wow, I'm a singer. This is my, this is my talent. So going into singing lessons was like the natural thing to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the, learning the technique was a huge 
for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think it's definitely, uh, I didn't learn the tone of my voice, right? Like I, I learned how to, how to project it. I learned how to be expressive with it, but my voice is my voice. I was born with it. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Poetry. No. Okay. I want to know something about you that's just way out there. Like, very odd. Hmm. Hmm. Very odd. <laughs> well, I, if you're a very vibrant personality. Very quirky, I would say. Okay. Do you think people say that about you? I would say I so. I think so, right. yeah. So, I want, I want you to throw us off with some of these quirks. Or maybe throw us off with something that's, like, very normal. Okay. <laughs> I'm a secret sports fan. Like, huge. Really? I love... And my friends are all going to be like, yeah, stop talking about this. <laughs> I love Formula One racing. Oh, really? I'm wow. obsessed. Yeah. That's so strange. I'm super into it. I know. <laughs> what, what piqued your interest in it? Um, well, one thing, because my family lives all across Canada, and we try to make opportunities to connect with each other. So, because we all grew up in Winnipeg. Sometimes we'll all get on Instagram or on Facebook chat and watch the Jets game together in a way and like just kind of like talk. And then uh, my parents ended up going to a Formula One race in Montreal and they came back and I went there for Christmas to visit them. They were like, you need to watch a race. You'll, you're going to love it. So I watched one and they were explaining and I was like, this is boring. I don't know about this. And then that was just this Christmas that passed a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, this is a brand new obsession. No, no. It. <laughs> it's a, it's a medium long-term thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched another one and I was like, oh, there's so many things to enjoy about it. Like everyone who participates in the sport is really rich, which is fun because it's mm-hmm. like very glam. It's very glamorous. <laughs> there's like lots of celebrities that go to the races. The races themselves are so fast and dangerous that it's like exciting during those moments and also the racers themselves have all this personality and it makes it so interesting to watch their interactions with each other because there's so much press coverage that you basically see everything like every emotional reaction to anything that happens is is filmed Mm -hmm. so that's that draws me into there's like that human element where it's like oh like it's, it's almost like the more you know about it, the more obsessive you can get. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, the more deep you go. Yeah, so. <laughs> I There's, like, a, a bar that I used to work at, and, like, the people that would come into Formula One, it's, like, the same people every week sitting at the front. They know exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. which is just, like... Right, and just coming into it, you would have no clue. No. You'd just be like, it's a bunch of cars going around a track. Yeah. What's so exciting about that? And that, that? old-timey mm-hmm. voice, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with cars? Yeah. 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 Automobiles. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. So, uh, have you ever been to one? No. Not yet. I would like to go to one, definitely, someday. Mm-hmm. How long do they last? Like, forever? Like, what do you mean? Like a race? Yeah. Um, the races are a certain number of certain distance. So they they have different... I guess I guess usually the races are like two hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then... Oh, God. 
<laughs> then there's like qualifying, which is like another hour and a half, and that happens the day before, and that's really important to watch because then you know like where everyone's going to be in the starting position, mm-hmm. and you hear like all the troubles that the teams have gone through throughout the weeks. Um, and then there's like three broadcasts of practice races that you can watch, which I usually don't. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if I have like a whole day, I'll just watch it all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's actually so interesting. Yeah, that's, I, that's something I have no idea about at all. Nobody I know does, also. So <laughs> it's very much a, a, a I'm alone with my phone. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, anyway, yeah. There. That's that's cool. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's fun. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you for cutting, cutting deep, deep with us on Paper Cut Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.